Hello, I'm Maddie Moat, and this is Discover the Wall from English Heritage, exploring Hadrian's Wall. And in this episode, I'm finding out what the Romans did in their leisure time. To help me, I'm meeting with Francis, who's a curator with English Heritage. Francis, it's hard to believe that all the soldiers did was just work, 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 work 24-7. I mean, I know there's a lot of wall to build, but there must have been more to life than that. Yes, there was a lot of uh, downtime, I imagine, because once the wall was built, it was manned for nearly 300 years. Of course. Did they have normal working Monday to Fridays? No. Um, in the army, um, probably as today's army, there was it's a seven-day week. You know, you the, all the jobs need doing. But even outside of the army, we, they didn't have a Monday to Friday, nine to five like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, very different. But... We know there was at least some downtime because on nearly every Roman fort we find evidence of gaming boards and counters. So is this the sort of thing they'd get up to when they weren't working? Yes, I imagine there probably was some beer involved. We know (laughs) the soldiers often requested more beer um, and played games. And there's three games that um, we know of and we have an idea about the rules for um, these three. The most popular, we think, was one that the Romans called Ludus Latrunculum. Well, that's a mouthful. It is, but it it roughly translates to game of the brigand or game of the soldier, and it was played on a grid with counters of two separate colours. And it seems to be kind of similar to drafts or chess where you had to take your opponent's pieces by various moves. And then there's another game um, similar to Three Men's Morris or Nine Men's Morris, which is about getting your tokens in a row. A little bit like um, Connect Four or, okay. or, you know, Noughts and Crosses. And then the third one is, was called Turny Lapley, um, which is a bit like Tic-Tac-Toe, and it was, again, um, with counters on a board. And we find boards and counters at forts all across the empire, not really? just on Hadrian's Wall. Well, it's good to know that they were having yeah. a bit of downtime as well. But what about, like, relaxation? Would they have just ever just chilled out? Well, um... <laughs> One f- very popular form of relaxation was going to the baths. <gasps> they had baths along the wall? They did. So no. if you went to a spa now, yeah. they're kind of based on the Turkish baths, you know, with hot rooms and cold rooms, steam and um, dry heat. Mm-hmm. They're based on Roman baths. But how did they get the hot water up here? They had fires with underfloor heating and lots of slaves. I cannot believe they made Roman baths along here, along, was, along the wall. It was a vital part of Roman life. Um, it was... Uh, way to get clean but it was also a way to relax and to um, have time to kind of network with other colleagues potentially and you know get warm maybe on a cold winter's day. So you found foundations of these baths uh, within the fort? We found more than foundations at Chester's Roman fort we've yeah. got the most complete military bathhouse in Roman Britain and you can visit and the walls are higher than my head height. You would never expect to find something as luxurious as that well, yeah. that's what people think initially, anyway. Exactly. But if you think, you know, they're living here year in, year out. Why wouldn't and they? And there's certain things that are seen as vital. Olive oil, wine, beer and baths. <laughs> the four <laughs> elements to a happy life. <laughs> I like the sound of life on Hadrian's Wall. I'm at Chester's Roman Fort and Museum and I'm meeting Andrew, a historian with English heritage, who's showing me around a Roman bathhouse. The Romans loved bathing. Okay. It's, it's really a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. that the Romans um, thought that bathing was good for your health, it was also good for your social life, it's often where business deals were conducted, and actually the Romans looked down upon people, some of whom they conquered, who didn't bathe in the same ways that the Romans did. So the soldiers had to share a bed with their fellow, their fellow bedmates, the fellow soldiers, they might have even had to share a barrack with a horse, but they still got to bath. 
they did still get to bathe. And actually, when we get down and have a look at it, you'll see that it is it is not too dissimilar to, to a modern day spa in some ways. Okay, we're walking down the steps towards the bathhouse. It's a large space made up of lots of different rooms. Uh, we're just walking into what is the porch. And Andrew, where are we now? Well, we're in the apodeterium, which is the changing and exercise hall. And this is actually a really large space. And we've probably got a very high roof over our heads. Um, you can see on the side here, we have these niches here. Some people suggested these were possibly lockers. Little archways. Little archways. I, I suspect they were probably there for, for statues to, to some of the gods. It looks like there would be a big vase or yeah, some sort or of urn yeah. there, yeah. Um, and this space is for exercise. Um, they, they might wrestle, they might lift weights, they had ball games, or you might just have a bit of a chat, maybe a bit of a gamble, who knows? Maybe play some of the games that you saw with, with Francis earlier, just... just relax a little bit and then once you're ready maybe worked up a gentle sweat then you'd head off into the bath absolutely we are, we are relaxing here this is this is leisure time of course and now you have a choice the roman baths had various different types of rooms you had cold rooms you had warm rooms and you had hot rooms and you also had very different types of heat so very much like our sauna, a steam room, and perhaps a cold plunge pool. Normally what you do is try to get, get as hot as possible before you then went and had a cold plunge. But we can go one of two ways. We can go for, for a hot wet room, like a, a steam room, or we can go for a very hot dry room. Like, like a, a sauna. sauna. Personally, I can't stand a sauna. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me feel all lightheaded. You don't like, yes, I, uh, I think that's why you also have the plunge pool in order to recuperate. <laughs> cool yourself down after. Are there any features within the ruins that we can still see? Yes, this probably would have been the most impressive room in the bathhouse. We're actually at foundation level and where we're standing at the moment would have been the heating system. So there would have been a furnace at one end to drive the hot air into the bathhouse. A physical fire? Physical fire, yes. And so the floor would be very, very hot. So you'd be wearing your, your clogs, basically, to make sure that your feet didn't... Um, uh, get warm. Maybe in this room you might like to get a massage. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so you'd, what you would do is you might have a massage, then you'd rub yourself down with, with olive oil, and then you would scrape it off using a curved metal stick called a strigil in order to get all the grime. And so the you're opening up the pores, yep. moisturising your skin, and then yep. scratching all that dirt off. Yeah, and then you've got a choice of, of what else you might like to do. Uh, on the right here, there's a, there's a hot water fountain, which would be creating the steam. You might like to stand in that and enjoy the steam. Um, or if you would like to do something a little bit more relaxing, then you could get into the hot bath at the end. It sounds really lovely, doesn't it? I can totally understand why Romans loved bathing here so much. Was it just the soldiers that would be allowed to use these baths? Probably not, actually. If you notice, when we came down to the baths, which are down by the river at Chester's, we actually had to come out of the fort. Yeah, I was going to ask, is this inside or outside of the so fort? It's outside of the fort. In the Vicus? In the Vicus. So, presumably, that meant it was open to the, the, the citizens living in the, in the Vicus, including women and children. Do you think there were different times of day? Perhaps the women would come in, I don't know, in the morning and the soldiers would come in the afternoon? <laughs> Probably, yes. Or um, in, in some bathhouses in the Roman Empire, you had separate facilities for men and women. This is very small, so it's unlikely that they did that here. But yes, there might have been distinctive times of day whereby men could come in and women come in. But it wasn't just spending time in the Roman baths that helped people living along the wall to relax. I'm sat on a bench with Francis outside, enjoying a millionaire shortbread. Mm. <laughs> Francis, I just wanted to ask you about the Romans and music. 
Was music something that they had in their lives? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's a big part of our, you know, leisure time and downtime. It would mm. be the same with the Romans, but it would equally have been different. Because if you think now, how do we listen to our music? Yeah. It's on all of the electronic devices. So obviously the music was all live. I'm guessing that singing played a part in it, maybe. Did they have instruments? They did. They had a range of instruments. They had a group of brass instruments. Um, so what things that we call brass are the trumpet and the horn. And they had a big curly horn called the cornu, which was used by the military. And also a couple of things, um, a litus and a tuba, although not, it wouldn't have looked like a tuba that we know. And most of the brass instruments tended to be used for official kind of ceremonies, maybe military or civic things. So you might hear them, you know, when the the army are out parading. But then there was also music um, in theatres and in plays where they would play more woodwind instruments. Okay. So we we were um, again not exactly the same types of instruments, but in that same family. So things called the tibia, which was a double pipe. Um, um, they're pan pipes, things not too dissimilar to our bagpipes, and that would have been um, alongside singing, both on the stage, but potentially also in the home. Once again, the Romans are blowing my mind. I always assume that you might list a handful of instruments. That's right, and we haven't even talked about the stringed instruments. So sophisticated and advanced to think that even theatre would be accompanied by music. It's incredible. I just didn't expect that. They really liked their leisure time if they could afford it. And um, wealthy uh, women might learn to play um, maybe the lyre or a Roman version of the harp. It was seen as quite a sophisticated thing to do, but only in the home. Women, Mm. it was um, not considered proper for women to perform on the stage. It was only men. Not to be on show. No, no. But... It really was, you know, a big part of life and it showed that your household was cultured because a lot of the music came from Greece. A lot of these instruments are quite intricate, actually, if we're talking about lyres and various brass instruments. Who made them? It would have been specialist craftsmen um, who would be able to make these these instruments. They would probably be based in large settlements where there's enough business, but perhaps also be itinerant, so move around to get the business. And that might have been the same also with musicians. So perhaps you would hire musicians to come to your banquet. They weren't people who were in your household the whole time. And this would happen even on Hadrian's Wall, which was well, largely a military base, even then? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, those military instruments we talked about, with the horns and the cornus, they'd definitely be used by the, the military. But equally, the commanding officers would have probably had access to music. And there's kind of the more everyday musical instruments that even some of the soldiers or the people in the settlements outside would have been able to use. So the pan pipes or maybe some sorts of whistles and um, other wooden um, instruments would be fairly cheap to access and so you could have had those maybe in the taverns. I would have loved to hear Romans playing their pan pipes and it's amazing to find out about all the ways that the people living here enjoyed their lives when they weren't working. Now, this is episode seven of Discover the Wall, so I think it's time for me to take a little break myself. If the Romans had time to relax, it's only fair that I get to do the same, right? I'm going to stop just here for a minute. And there is the most incredible view. Whoa, I did not expect this at all. Ahead of me, we've got green fields that are peppered with sheep. It is breathtakingly beautiful. 
taking a moment just to sit here and pause for thought whilst looking over this beautiful view, it got me thinking about what was their motivation? Why here? Did they like that it was peaceful? Did they like to take a moment to come and sit here and think as well? And I wonder if they had a belief system. Were, were the Romans religious? So that's what I want to find out next. That's in the next episode of Discover the Wall. And if you want to see that amazing view and explore a Roman bathhouse complex for yourself, just search English Heritage online and find out more about the amazing things you can see and do at Corbridge Roman Town, Chester's Roman Fort and Museum, Halstead's Roman Fort and Bird Oswald Roman Fort.